You're listening to The Gold Derby Show on The Gold Derby Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Gold Derby uh, Roundtable with Charlie Tony. I am your host, Charlie Bright. And I am your host, Tony Ruiz. And today we are excited to have two uh, of our newest freelancers as our guests. We're really excited. First, coming in from Raleigh, North Carolina, we have Hunter Taylor. And we also have uh, from Reno, Nevada, Brian Rowe. It's Nevada, right? Not Nevada. It's Nevada, correct. That's right. Yep. <laughs> At least my years in politics have taught me one thing. Um, <laughs> so we have had, we are recording this at 10.35 uh, p.m. Eastern time on uh, Sunday, uh, February 26th. The SAG Awards have just concluded. Uh, we are going to talk about those in just a moment. But uh, Tony, why don't you uh, get us with start us off with uh, two big uh, news stories that we're going to that we're that we've been following? Well, in the weekend news, I mean, at the time we recorded last week's premiere episode, uh, we were just slightly before uh, BAFTA, um, which the theme of BAFTA was: we are not going to help you with your Oscar predictions one effing bit. And, um, you know, it was a it was a ceremony that was dominated by All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, which won, I believe, seven awards, including Best Picture and Director. And um, we had many uh, we had some upsets, particularly in the sporting categories where both Carrie Condon and Barry Keoghan from the Banshees, Vinish Sharon, uh, won. Uh, we had Austin Butler winning Best Actor for Elvis. We had Kate Blanchett winning Best Actress for Tar. Um, and in the recent years, uh, BAFTA has been uh, quite an indicator for certain categories, but um, not so much this year, <laughs> um, which we will talk about a little bit later in terms of why. But uh, was anybody's uh, eyeballs rolling around in their head after BAFTA? The Carrie Condon win didn't didn't surprise me. I was predicting, and I think she was in first place in our odds um, at Gold Derby for BAFTA. The Barry Keoghan win did catch me by surprise, um, and in a way, so and in a way, so did the Austin Butler win because I was convinced from the moment I saw it that Colin Farrell was going to win BAFTA for Banshees of Inisherin. and it it felt like such a slam dunk, uh, and the other thing that's just weird about BAFTA is. Um, I'm sure there's a joke in there somewhere about the German movie about World War One dominating the British, but you know that's another that's another story altogether. Um, I, I'm surprised. I, I, did any outlet put the, use the headline uh, "All Quiet Blitzes the uh, Blitzes the British" in uh, at BAFTA? You know. Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> and I kind of hope so too. At the same time, it's remember it's a this weird is the British press we're talking about. Yeah. Subtlety, ironically, not their strong suit. Yeah, I feel like I feel like uh, Barry Key Hogan was such a surprise because they also could have rewarded Brendan Gleeson, and for them to go with Key Hogan, I I I would have thought they would have gone with Gleeson. He's a more seasoned actor; more people know who he is, and he's in a bigger like role in the movie. So that was a big shock for me. Like I thought Key Kwan was going to just sweep the season, and then when it goes to Key Hogan and not Gleeson. Yeah, that was the big shocker of the night, I would say, at BAFTA. Yeah, I was always kind of had a gut feeling about All Quiet, um, especially after the nomination um, haul it got. Um, and all, all season, I've kind of had this like little bit of a little, an itch with that movie, but it kind of wasn't performing the way we normally see um, the international film performing, it was sweeping everything. But then all the BAFTA, 
all the Oscars. And I don't know, I still, I don't know after tonight, especially, but for a moment there, I was like, is there a way this maybe pulls ahead and we're talking about the Oscars, but mm. I don't, I'm not so sure now, but we can, I have my eyes peeled. It made me so happy just because I, I absolutely adore that film. Uh, I adore All Quiet on the Western Front. I th I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's one of the greatest modern war movies um, in recent years and does that really um, uh, inenviable task of taking um, brilliant source material and opening it up even more uh, in a way that is still honoring the original intent of the novel. Um, and uh, speaking of uh, <laughs> speaking of honoring, um, it's a very sad moment for many people with the announcement this week that Succession will end after its current uh, soon-to-be-aired fourth season. Um, but maybe not a surprise considering some of the news items that have come out in recent weeks. Um, what are people's thoughts? And I'll be totally honest. I mean, I've watched maybe three episodes of Succession. It's just not for me. Um, but uh, I mean, you know, Rich white people fighting over power. Yeah, so identifiable. And oh, um, um <laughs> yay, don't see that on a regular basis. And um, but I was I'm just curious, did that come as a shock to anybody? Not oh no, go on. I always thought it was gonna be like a fiver, like a five season thing. Um, and that's what I heard kind of there was a consensus what's going to happen. So it did kind of shock that this is gonna be the final season, but after last season, it was probably my least favorite season, season three. I know everyone really loved it, season three, but I, I still have a heart for season one. Um, but after season three, I was like, are we spinning our wheels a touch? Um, I'm like, all right, I I, I feel like at this point, we've kind of seen a lot play out. And now I'm kind of like, all right, let's just finally get there. <laughs> but I do love Succession. I'm uh, with you on that. I thought it was going to be like, I had heard rumblings like that, you know, that it was probably going to be like a five season type thing. So it didn't quite surprise me, but it also kind of makes a lot of sense, especially with, because the first, the when I first watched the end of season three, I was, or season three initially very much frustrated me because you had this huge climax at the end of season two. And then at the end, and then season three picks up and it goes, and that whole climax goes nowhere. And at first I was so frustrated with it, but then as I thought to myself, I'm like, I thought to myself, oh, this actually makes sense because Kendall's a total fuck up and it makes sense that, you know, he would have this thing, but he wouldn't have a plan and it would all just go to crap. So it actually, it actually made me appreciate a bit more, but also it's like, we can't keep, it, we can't keep going around in circles before this is like Game of Thrones, Rupert Murdoch edition, you know, like with all the backstabbing and betrayal and whatnot. Um, and so I think it's probably a sound thing. I'm sure Jesse Armstrong has a lot of other things that he's probably, that he probably has his eye on working on. Um, and it's a little bittersweet, but I'm, I'm glad that it's one of those shows. I always have an admiration for when a show says this makes the call on its own to say, we're going to mm -hmm. stop before we wear out our welcome. Although for some people I know Succession has weared out its welcome already. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like if the show just kept going to season seven, season eight, just because it's popular, but it doesn't serve the story, that'd be a bad way to go. I do feel like it's popular enough. They probably could have done a season five, but okay, go out with four. I like it. <laughs> Does anybody think, I mean, one of the things that's been so, I think, 
interesting about the coverage of Succession is 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 Jeremy Strong, um, and Brian Cox cannot stop talking about Jeremy Strong and his acting technique. And I'm wondering what I've. It's interesting in some of the most recent uh, blurbs um, from both of them. Um, is is it, it? It causes me to wonder if there was more turmoil behind the scenes than we might be aware of and whether or not that had anything to do with it it's possible yeah maybe brian cox said i'm done and <laughs> they don't want to continue without him or something i don't know yeah or maybe it's a, another uh, maybe he wants to do more film uh, i mean after armageddon time and stuff maybe I, I mean i can see him as sort of like taking on this new not new he's, he's been in film but you, you know what i'm trying to say more of an a-lister type of thing i could mm-hmm. see that also happening possibly there's going to need to be less talk about his process in the if that becomes the main story then that's going to be a real problem he needs to smile for christ's sake <laughs> the old song says when you're smiling the whole world smiles with you so smile for god's sakes i always think of when zero mustel says that in the producers then he goes this man should be in a straitjacket <laughs> <laughs> the Google search engine is going crazy. Who is Zero Mostel? Oh, the twenty somethings. Those Philistines. Those Philistines. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I think um, I'll, I'll be I'll be sad to see it go. But again, I'm going to be. Uh, I'll. That uh, just makes it just makes the new season all the more exciting, and I can't wait for it. So and- let's transition to what we're all thinking about. Sags have just happened. What the fuck. <laughs> Yeah. So um, we're going to start off talking about uh, just talking about the TV portion in general. We're not going to go category by category there. Uh, but what do you guys think? The TV awards were of the, were the, some of the first awards of the night, and they got us going on this train of of absolutely crazy wins, you know, right off the bat with Jessica Chastain and then Sam Elliott. Um, uh, I should just point out that Sam Elliott has now has a SAG award. His mustache still has zero. So we're still working <laughs> on that. Um, and then, and then we also, um, what do you, and then we all got, you know, wins for Gene Smart and, uh, uh, why am I blanking on, uh, the comedy? I uh, Jeremy Allen White, Abbott Elementary, uh, and then, uh, the, the drama categories. I can't remember them for right now, but what did you guys think? Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman and um, and White Lotus and Jennifer, Jennifer Coolidge. Coolidge. And I think of all of those, I think the only ones we had in first place were uh, were four of them. We had uh, Coolidge and White Lotus, and then uh, Abbott Elementary and uh, Jeremy Allen White. Uh, yeah. I wanted. I just want to say this because you know, people who know me know how much I adored 1883 and i thought and if if you want the fact that sam elliott did not get emmy nominated for that was to me a travesty because it's one of his best performances he plays a character that is so in pain and wears that emotional pain just on his sleeve it's bubbling right under the surface for the entire run of the series it's a masterful performance and i'm so glad that it got it, it it's finally getting some some mention the rest i mean gene smart was a little bit surprising to me um i had thought that you know the the buzzy uh choice would have been quinta brunson um 
the emotional choice I think would have been uh, Christina Applegate, mm-hmm. who is totally deserving because she's amazing in that show. And the kind of hip trendy choice might have been Jenna Ortega. Um, so there was a number of places where it could go. And I think that with that many choices, I think that actually helped Gene Smart. And I loved the fact that Christopher McDonald uh, accepted it uh, for her. And, <laughs> and um, you know, even in, as I, as I wrote in our uh, gold derby thread, um, even in abstentia, Gene Smart is still gives the best speech. So, yeah, yeah, I was just excited when it started with Chastain and Elliot winning because I feel like they were both surprises. So then I started getting excited about the film categories. I was like, okay, we're not just going to go with the same old, same old here tonight. We're going to get some big shocks. And so that got me very excited for the show to come at the beginning. Yeah, I was surprised about No Dahmer. They just, I was really. I was really expecting Evan Peters for sure, and to a degree, Nisi Nash bets. Um, but uh, I was really expecting Evan, and that uh, and uh, Sam Elliott uh, love him. But I just uh, it was surprising because I kind of had him as maybe a potential. He's like a like a sweeper performance, and I don't know if they just didn't like it. I don't know if uh, if it was more of like a sort of the backlash with like uh, the family and different things. I'm just I I'm a little confused as to why he didn't pull forward with that one. It's so funny to me because Netflix, uh, you know, uh, Netflix usually tends to get the more populist vote and Dahmer was such a popular series. Um, So that really stunned me. The fact that, I mean, this might be the first kind of main award. I think Kevin Costner's won for Yellowstone at the Golden Globes, but that was on, that's on Paramount. I can't think of another Paramount Plus series that has won a major award. Uh, off the top of my head unless somebody knows of something that uh i'm not thinking of no wins so you know congrats to paramount plus for 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 getting a win on the board um um let's go into the into the what we're all talking what we're all chomping at the bit to talk about yeah because i think bateman win um (laughs) 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 what was up with that uh <laughs> but as you were saying tony the big thing with sag holy shit those winners on the film side let's start with the first film award that we got female actor in a supporting role going to jamie lee curtis for everything everywhere all at once <laughs> whoa uh, i just opened the floor up on this one I never thought that could happen. I just think most people feel like that's one of the weaker performances in the field. And I thought if she was going to win, it was going to be kind of for her legacy, for everything she's done in film and TV over the last, what, almost 50 years. And I do feel like that kind of what the win is here at SAG. I don't think she can win at the Oscars, although her speech at SAG was great. But I love that she got a big win this award season for that film. And for her incredible career, I really loved that moment. Yeah, I knew it was going to be either Angela or Jamie Lee. Um, I had um, Angela Bassett predicted. I think everyone kind of had her predicted way back. They're like, if she doesn't get in anywhere, she's going to win the SAG. Which So it's pretty surprising that she didn't. But uh, I think her cheerleader status with everything everywhere, they loved, obviously mm-hmm. loved everything everywhere. So they're going to check it off when they could. So I think, but her over um, Stephanie Hsu, it's it's got to be, it's got to be the legacy win, but I, mm-hmm. I it's also just, she's everywhere 
and um, <laughs> um she, all at once. Oh, she's also Jamie Lee is also all of us. One might say. <laughs> well, and, and what I you know the, the funny thing is, and I think what a lot of us that are in the prognostication business is we're all thinking the same thing. You know, this season has been in many ways so unpredictable um, that every time we think we have a beat on where something is going um, in this category in particular, there prior to the golden globes, I don't think anybody really thought Angela Bassett was going to have front runner status for a Marvel movie for a sequel. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's strike one and strike two right there um so but what we've seen over the season is that it started with angela bassett and she was winning all sorts of stuff and then we get to bafta and carrie condon wins and then we get to sag and i think a lot of us were probably rightly thinking okay um it's probably going to be angela bassett maybe it could be carrie condon um, I know a couple of our, uh, I know several of our users were predicting Jamie Lee Curtis and thinking that was a possibility. What do you think this does for the Oscars? Where do you think this leads you? And Charlie, I think you have a uh, uh, a really interesting take on this. So I have been, um, uh, when Jamie Lee's win happened and I was, you know, absorbing it, the weird thing about the SAG ceremony is that I realized, you know, watching it that the commercials as great as it was to just have a continuous ceremony and no commercials that was great there was a purpose for commercials for people like us that for taking some time to absorb the win and like feel like and 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 think like okay how does this play into the bigger picture of things and i found myself you know going back in my mind and thinking so what does this mean for supporting actress and at the Oscars? And I think I'm going to switch to Carrie Condon uh, because I was talking with um, another uh, person uh, in the prognostication business. Um, and uh, he was telling me that he heard from some industry insiders that uh, the the actual numbers, the overlap between BAFTA, the, the BAFTA voting membership and the Academy voting membership is really really big and that sort of thing makes me think that maybe carrie because i'm with you brian i have a very hard time seeing this translating to oscar and i kind of feel like carrie condon is that sort of thing where you know even if you don't like the movie and i really don't think i've really met anybody who doesn't like the banshees of inishirin um even if you don't like the movie and especially for people that don't like the movie, they still like, they see themselves in the Carrie Condon character. <laughs> and I think actually, you know, in, in a ceremony of questionable clips, the clip for Carrie Condon was so, was so beautifully picked. Um, so I was, so I actually think that she stands a very good chance here. And now, and, and really, again, this whole thing is just up in the air. And uh, for all we know, it could end up being, it could just end up being Angela Bassett, but it feels like her odds have taken a real, real hit tonight. Yeah. What I, yeah. What I feel like helps Carrie Condon is that she, her movie has so many nominations and everyone's going to watch it for a lot of different categories. And there's not necessarily a category. It's like a front runner to win right now, like maybe screenplay, but that could go to everything everywhere. So I'm feeling like 
because Angela Bassett lost tonight, that shows she's vulnerable and Black Panther Wakanda Forever is not in any of the top other, you know, in the other categories at the top, at least in the top eight. I feel like because Carrie Condon is in a movie that's very popular, it could get her the win. I think Angela Bassett needed to win SAG. And now that she didn't, Carrie Condon is going to be my pick. I'm not brave enough to pick Carrie Condon yet. We have two weeks to go and I might change in the meantime. Um, I think there's something that I think helps Angela Bassett and hurts Angela Bassett. I think what hurts her is that she didn't win tonight. I think what helps her is that we have this two-week lull mm. when Oscar voting starts next week. And um, there's a chance because the Oscar voters are still human and human beings are fickle. Um, and we're no, dealing we with it. And we're... <laughs> Yes, we are. No, we're not. Um, and we have this period of time where uh, people might, there's a lot of variables in it. I don't think it points us one way or the other. Right now, I have Carrie Condon in second. Um, I'm wondering if there's enough people that are really happy to give Angela Bassett an Oscar Um but at the same time, and now this thought just came into my head. See, this is what happens when you do these things right after an award show is you have time to process all your thoughts. What the SAG just proved tonight, I think I'm just talking myself into putting Carrie Condon in. Oh, my God. Because I just had this thought. You have two legacy nominees, Jamie Lee Curtis and Angela Bassett. We talk about vote splitting, and I know I can hear the screams from certain people, you know who you are, who say vote splitting is not a thing, unless it is. And that's a case where a vote split could really happen of the two legacy performers, one being Angela Bassett, one being Jamie Lee Curtis. And in that case, who benefits? I think Carrie Condon benefits. I'm going to put Carrie Condon in first. Yeah, I'm joining. <laughs> you've all convinced me. Uh, I think you've got the legacy split. You've got the everything everywhere split. Um, and are they going to really want Banshees to go home empty handed? I I, I just don't think it's going to go home empty-handed. I, I do think screenplay is going to go to everything, everywhere. Um, so uh, I, I, I'm going to switch. I'm still holding out hope. I'm still holding out hope that I, I still think there's a chance that that they want to give Martin McDonough something, um, especially since I think the Daniels are winning director. Um, and I think everything, everywhere is winning picture. So I think um, there's a there's a place for um, Martin to win um screenplay but uh let's move on to supporting actor you know BAFTA gave us all a uh threw us all a curveball uh with Barry Keoghan and uh but now we're sort of back on the on the train of Kihui Kwan um do you guys just pretty much think that that's happening yeah yeah Kwan's gonna win the Oscar yeah I mean it was uh, uh the the as much as, you know, I think all a lot of us thought that Kiki Kwan was going to just very much steamroll and that was going to include BAFTA, when it ended up going to Barry Kogan, I thought to myself, this is an example of BAFTA taking care of their own, even though, yes, I know that there's a very big difference between British and Irish. I think they fought a war about that whole thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I think that's the subtext of the film, but... <laughs> but, but so, like, on, on a certain level, like, as 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 jarring as it was because that's i think the right word for it It was jarring um it it, 
you know, once it once it happened, it made sense. But I, I, the fact that he won tonight, just it, it's what I thought when uh, Barry won last week. That's a speed bump, and he's going to be fine. And he's probably and he's still the smart choice for supporting actor. Yeah, I, I, Baptist gonna BAFTA. <laughs> that's basically what it, I, how I felt that way. But uh, yeah, there's there's no. I think that's a sure bet with Quan. Yeah, I think he's the only one that's truly safe right now. Like you can safely bet on Quan to win the Oscar. The other three acting categories, we don't have anyone that's as safe as he is. And speaking of not being safe, let's go to best have- actress. Female, so female actor in a leading role went to, I say Michelle, you say we got, we know. It's Michelle Yeoh mm-hmm. uh, for everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, I I stuck with my Kate pick throughout this whole thing. And even though part of me was like, you know, Michelle's really got a really good chance at this one. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really still kind of at a, at a loss in terms of like, I don't know what to think. What do you guys think about this win? I'm so confused um, because, again, you know, in this in this new age of, you know, things not necessarily being so cut and dry, not being so easy, um, you know, everything everywhere did so well tonight. And Michelle Yeoh, her name was probably, I think, mentioned, Jamie Lee Curtis alone, I think, mentioned Michelle Yeoh's name more than than any other human being that was in that in that room tonight. Um, and so that kind of goodwill could translate. Now, that being said, we have to measure the emotion of the moment with the stats. And um, this being the only place that uh, Kate has lost, really, um, I still think it's neck and neck and I'm going to go back and forth. I'm, I'm just, I'm sure even on next week's podcast, Charlie and I will do an entire segment about best actress because it's just that confusing to me. It'll just be us banging our heads against the microphone. Yeah. Tune in for that. I mean, we Brian, yeah. yeah. So Blanchett is the safe choice. I think she's probably the smarter choice. I've always been, for Michelle Yeoh, I think it would be a monumental Oscar win. Kate has two Oscars. Obviously, that didn't hurt her at like BAFTA. She had won a bunch of BAFTAs before. But I just feel like, I don't know, Tar did very well, got picture director, you know. So it's not like if, if Tar was only in like actress and nothing else, that'd be, I'd, I'd be thinking about that. So they are really neck and neck. But I'm in Camp Yo. I was like, she needs to win at SAG if she can do it there. I'm going to be rooting for her to win at the Oscars. I just think that would be a really awesome moment. And she deserves it for an amazing performance. So I think Kate Blanchett has a pretty good shot based on her winning at Critics' Choice and BAFTA. But I'm on Team Yo. I want to see I want to see Michelle Yo win. Uh, camp Yo sounds like the greatest summer camp experience <laughs> ever. And uh, Michelle... You and me, Can we all fly around on wires like in Crashing Tiger? <laughs> I mean, is that part of the camp experience? Because I'm all for that. Well, well yeah, but uh, the ropes are made out of googly eyes. Oh, yes, yes. So, yeah, I've had good. Uh, yeah, I've had Blanchett all season for like everything. Um, but it it makes sense tonight. Uh, although 
we know there's a discrepancy in this category, especially when it comes to SAG and Oscar. Um, just mm -hmm. so that makes me a little trepidatious just to kind of just go right with this momentum from tonight. Um, I think I'm gonna keep Kate. Just I I, I think that it's also it, Michelle makes sense when you're talking about the Actors Guild. Like it makes sense when you think about everything she's done. Oh, you, all the goodwill with everyone in the community. I, I, this I can get behind. Like, whereas if Kate won, I'd be like, she's got it. Um, but it, if Michelle wins, I'm like, she still might not uh, cross the Oscar finish line. So I'm still going to keep Kate. I think this is going to be one of those categories where, you know, I even as I'm about to say these words, it it makes my head hurt. But I think when the anonymous ballots start coming out, there's going to be a narrative. And sometimes those narratives, I mean, I think back to Anthony Hopkins, one of the reasons why I predicted Anthony Hopkins, and I did um, for the father, was because we had a lot of people saying, yeah, Chadwick's probably going to win, but I really loved Anthony Hopkins. Um, and so I'm going to be really interested to see what some of those say. And I... You know, this might be one of those that I go back and forth on, and I rarely do this. You know, I tend to stick with my gut for better or worse. And uh, but this might be one of those situations where I may, I go back and forth right up until the day of the Oscars. I am just so I, I think I'm going to keep Kate in there right now, because I, I think the other thing, and this is a personal thing with me, is that whenever there's something that I feel like. Is that that's something that I have an, that emotional investment in, and I love Michelle Yeoh, and I think she and she's the one who I really want to see win. Uh, I all I unless it feels like a safe thing, I'm insanely uh, 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 cautious about actually picking uh, that person to win. Uh, so it's you know I had that with like with Spotlight. Um, I had that with Parasite, and now I'm having it with this, and I'm very. Uh, I think I am going to stick with Kate because I feel like Tar overperformed. It it made it into category. It made it into categories like cinematography and editing, where you know not even All Quiet on the Western Front uh, made it into editing. Uh, so I think that I think they're going to and if they want to give the film something, it's going to be in that category. And I do feel and I think there is enough. I think there's probably going to be a lot of people that just really feel like, and this is a very commonly held view that this is Kate's best performance of her career and already immensely distinguished career, which is what they were saying, which is what they were saying when she won uh, 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 nine years ago when she won for Blue Jasmine. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to stick with her, but this, uh, this race has gotten all the more interesting and we can't, we can't wait to see what's going to happen there. Speaking mm -hmm. of things getting interesting, so, male actor in a leading role goes to Brendan Fraser in The Whale. Uh, I think, I, I who was in front in our odds uh, for this? Was it Butler or was it Fraser? I think it was Butler, um, especially after BAFTA. Yeah, that BAFTA win felt like it was, it felt like it was the cementing of it. I thought it was going to be, even before BAFTA, I thought Butler was going to win SAG. And, because uh, it just, it just made the most sense to me. And... This just this is yet another one where it kind of throws it into free for all. What do you guys think about where the, about about this win and where this go takes the race? I've always felt that Brennan Fraser could win the Oscar. Like it's the most 
emotional, dramatic performance of the group and the physical transformation he has in that movie, I do think it hurts him to not have the Best Picture nomination at the Oscars. That's what makes me think, mm, maybe it will be Butler. I don't know, but Butler's young. I feel like some voters might say, we might give it to Butler the next time. This time, this narrative, I feel like even though it doesn't have the picture nomination with his win at SAG tonight, I do think that Fraser could win the Oscar. I'm not going to be surprised if that happened. Yeah, I think so. Are you, are you predicting, Brian, are you predicting Fraser? I'm going to predict Fraser. I know that's not probably the smartest idea that Butler probably might be just a little bit more likely to win, but I'm going with Fraser. That's the performance that really moved me of the five in the category. That's the one that I really, really loved. So. Yeah, I think ahead, with, with all the televised speeches that he gives, I think he he just inches closer and closer because uh, we everyone talks about how televised speeches are sort of like your Oscar audition, if you want to call it that. And he delivers and he delivers in their performance as well. I I mean, we've everyone going into the season, he was always the front runner and then things started to get a little wobbly, but I had a feeling he was going to win SAG just because it's such like an actor's friendly performance. Emotions are on your sleeve. I mean, he's doing everything here. And uh, they also appreciate a, I don't know if you want to say a, a transformational performance and, and Butler has transformation to a degree, but I think with this, it's him doing something that you'd never expected from him. Uh, it's also, you've got the narrative there. Uh, I know some people don't necessarily think he's has that much of a narrative to that. I think you're kind of reaching because I think there's definitely a narrative there with just the last decade alone. Um, and I, I just think everyone really wants everyone really wants it to happen. And he clearly really wants it to happen. He he cares. Uh, I think that I'm, I'm still going to pick, I'm going to stick with Fraser as well. I, I, I was really teetering. If Butler had won tonight, I would have switched to Austin Butler 100%. But uh, I would have, I would have too. In fact, I, I almost up until the time our prediction center closed, I was thinking of moving to, uh, moving to Austin Butler, but I kept with Fraser because with with Fraser, you know, SAG is often the more uh, of of all of the awards groups. It's often the most sentimental, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I think that this is one of those cases where sentiment. Now, the Oscars might be a completely different story. I don't think that this necessarily cements Fraser as a winner because we saw. I mean, t- sorry, two years ago we had probably the most emotional narrative at all of all with Chadwick Boseman and that didn't pan out at the Oscars um so I think this is very much a two-man race um I don't as much as it pains me to say it because I think Colin Farrell actually deserves this um in terms of just giving I think the best performance in the category I also think Bill Nye um um I'm interviewing Katsuo Ishiguro tomorrow um and uh duh um and uh i thought bill nye's performance in living was just astounding um it's a magnificent category but i really think this is a two-man race the problem is is what's going to what's going to carry the most weight in terms of oscar voters is it going to be the film that they love or the narrative that they love and we have seen throughout oscar history where it can go either way. 
I mean, if you need to look at narrative, I direct you to 1960 and Elizabeth Taylor for Butterfield 8. <laughs> um, you know, enjoy your Google searching. Um, best trick Young yacht. people. Yeah. Uh, best trick yacht. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think that it's really going to depend. This is another category where those 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 anonymous ballots, I think, are going to tell us more than we think, because it's going to tell us not just what people are voting for, but where their heads are in terms of the reasoning. I think sometimes the interesting part of those things is not who they end up voting for, but the reasoning they, they provide, which is oftentimes really hilarious because it lacks any sense of logic whatsoever. Um, but I think it does uh, point us in a direction. So this is another one I'm going to be going back and forth. Right now, I'm going to stay with Fraser. Um, but, uh, this is not a done deal for him. Do, do either of you, Brian or Hunter, think that Colin Farrell has a somewhat reasonable shot of maybe pulling this one out? I think it, it's, oh, you can go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Um, I think if he had won BAFTA, possibly, I think the BAFTA loss, along with the fact that it's just not the kind of performance that they normally award at the Oscars. And I know Colin Farrell has a lot of goodwill. I just, I don't, there's not really an itch, I don't think, yet to be like, this is it. This is the time. You have to do it now or never. I think that he has, especially after this season, uh, he's going to have a future with uh, with more nominations. And I think that that, I just, yeah, I don't see it happening for him this year. No. Yeah, he needed to win one more prize, SAG or BAFTA. I think just the Golden Globe for musical or comedy, that's not going to be enough for him to win the Oscar. But it's a great performance. I'd probably vote for that one. It's fantastic. I still have like this, like it, when you have these races where it feels so much like it's, you know, you have these two people and there feels like they're just neck and neck with each other. You know, sometimes you do have that. I always think, you know, back to Adrian Brody winning for the pianist, um, where he didn't have any wins and he was still able to uh, uh, to pull it through in the end. But we saw that was also part of a big push that the pianist uh, also winning adapted screenplay and directing. Uh, so I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm so not sure. And like part of me wishes that you know, Farrell had won BAFTA because then I'd just be picking him. But I mean, I just feel weird with this. And like, Tony, I'm just going to be going back and forth on this. I have no clue what's going on in that category. And um, just wait till those anonymous Oscar ballots come in and every damn one of them votes for Bill Nye. <laughs> so, you know, hey, we got that last year with the whole Penelope Cruz thing. So I, I you know. fell for that. I unfortunately fell for all that. I did too. My condolences, my friend, my condolences. Again, a big hurdle for Fraser is not having the Best Picture nomination. Someone told me recently the last Best Actor winner at the Oscar without picture as a nomination was Jeff Bridges for Crazy Heart. And I believe that's correct. But that, that, that's a yeah, that long, is correct. long time. And that one we saw further support. That one was one that overperformed in nominations because not only did it get the actor and the song nomination which which it was the front runner of both of those but out of nowhere it got that maggie gyllenhaal nomination right showed mm -hmm. which is one of those things that showed that there was more support for that movie than we thought and the fact that the whale wasn't able to get into either picture and i think the, the one that actually hurts it more is the is the, not getting into adapted screen screenplay mm -hmm. yeah that yeah, one but... like that hurt more 
But The Whale does have the Hong Chow nomination in Supporting Actress. That helps. And I, I think it probably will win makeup and hairstyling. So it could kind of be that like Iron Lady thing where it wins two Oscars. It wins makeup and hairstyling. And then it wins a major acting prize. That could happen. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, prior to Prior to that, I do believe, if I'm reading my facts correctly... So the last one prior to that was um, you said uh, Jeff Bridges and Crazy Heart. Um, I think maybe even before that, actually, but before that, it was just two years prior with Forrest Whitaker for the Last King of Scotland. That, that was, was its only nomination. Years, huh? Only nomination, yeah. So it can happen. <laughs> Fraser's still in it. I am going to predict that Andrea Briceboro will win Best Actor at this point. So. <laughs> Francis Are we ever going to see her? Screw it. They'll just say, screw it. Wouldn't that be something if Riseborough just comes in there on Oscar night and wins? Like, wouldn't that be just insane? She you just never see her at all the whole season and then she wins. I want to see, if that happens, I want to see her at the after parties because she will be getting as drunk as Leslie at that at those parties. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, but what's interesting is I think what's interesting is I just want to I just want to point out is that yeah it's it's rare it's been a long time since it's happened it's not as rare as you think because mm. you had you know um, you know Jeff Bridges prior to that you had Forrest Whitaker for Last King of Scotland prior to that you had um, uh, then it was another fifteen years and then it was Tom Hanks in Philadelphia oh wow. And then, okay. and then only um, a couple of years before that, I think, yeah, it was um, was uh, Jeremy Irons mm. for Reversal of Fortune, and that didn't get so. It's rare, but not unprecedented. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just been a while. If it only ha- <laughs> if it, it 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 happens, it seems like it happens every ten years or so. So I think we're due for one. So I, I don't think we can necessarily rely on this on the lack of a best picture statistic. Um, the fact that it at least has another acting nomination right. and it has makeup, uh, so it has a craft and it has another acting nomination. Um, so it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. And the final award of the evening, Outstanding Cast in a Motion Picture, went to, of course, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, making it the most honored, uh, the film with the most SAG Award wins in the in the 29-year history of the SAG Awards, winning four. Wow. Um, <laughs> which is, like, utter, which is, like, ridiculous in a great way for me. Um uh, what do we think that, that uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, to build upon this, we had PGA last night and everything everywhere pulled out a victory there on a preferential ballot. Uh, do, do these two, do those two wins just kind of feel like it cements it as the front runner for best picture? Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to go so far as to say it's a lock. I know that a lot of people on film Twitter are going, it's over, blah, blah, blah. That's why I said front runner, not lock. (laughs) Um, We're going to, so I'm going to stick with front runner um, because we've learned plenty of times in the history of recent Academy Awards that there is no such thing as a, as a lock um, in this category in particular, but I think it's the front runner. And and the the interesting thing is, and, and again, people who know me know I'm not a big fan of everything everywhere. It just I understand why people like it. I don't think it'll be an embar. I would never call it an embarrassing uh, winner. I know there's a lot of um, 
minority outrage on Twitter of people going, I can't believe that this film is blah, 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 blah. I'm like, shut up. Um, <laughs> some of you know who I'm talking about. Um, but there is, I, I think it's a perfectly worthy winner. It's just a film that didn't work for me. After the enthusiasm that I saw tonight, hell, even I'm going to be happy if it wins. And I didn't like it. So I, 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 so even though it didn't work for me, I think it's a, it's, it's a film that a lot of people are coalescing around and I think it's got the momentum and yeah, I'm going to predict it for picture and director. Yeah, it's gotten like everything it needs to get. Yeah. I just feel like there's not a clear second choice favorite. Like I was like, if Top Gun Maverick can win at PGA, then we have a little race here, but that, but that didn't happen. So I'm like, there's not a clear second film. It's not like Moonlight versus La La Land. Like everyone was really passionate about Moonlight going into that ceremony. And that seemed like it could happen. Whereas this one, there's going to be a lot of people who love Tar and Banshees and Top Gun Maverick. And it's like the, the consensus pick right now is everything everywhere. I don't know how it can lose picture and director mm -hmm. and oscar yeah i agree i was i was holding out for pga because like you like you mentioned i was i was kind of I, I was not expecting but a top gun win would not have surprised me so now that it has pga dga sag i mean <laughs> just keep everything keeps stacking i'm like uh i don't i don't see a world where it doesn't win but like you said uh could top gun spoil maybe could even tar spoil since it's overperforming um and with all those uh, uh, with uh, cinematography and editing and directing I, mean, it, I think maybe there's a world where that happens but i i don't see enough passion i think if you're going to put passion behind that you're going to put passion in um actress so I, I i don't see anything um beating everywhere at the moment i you know the funny thing that the thing that that i'm always wondering is <laughs> You know there is such this overlap between BAFTA and and the Oscar voters, and I'm curious as to how how you know everything everywhere has done so well. You know even when at a, on a preferential ballot at PGA where I thought it was going to be in trouble, um, why did it do so badly at BAFTA? <laughs> I I that's that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Uh, it's I. It's it's so and but it's it's such a weird thing with BAFTA because it it did poorly but it did get that one win in editing editing that was just it, it was and that that just it makes it more confusing to me because I thought you know if it's going to win just one thing at BAFTA it was going to be Kihi Kwan uh, and so that just throws this whole thing into a bit more it's it, that's the thing that makes that makes me so apprehensive about it but to what Brian was saying the absence of a clear alternative. Although you could say that really the only other thing that has, the only thing that has really beaten it amongst uh, amongst industry voters is All Quiet. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you could, you could say, you know, All Quiet doesn't have the directing or the editing nomination, but damn it, it has a very good case to make for it though. But I still, but I still don't think it has really cemented itself as that clear alternative. Yeah, I, I mean, that would be a worthy winner. That would be absolutely insane. <laughs> like if, if the, if, if best director goes to everything everywhere, and then they're like, best picture goes to All Quiet on the Western Front. Like that would be a pretty the big German shocker. Remake of a, the German remake of a, the third best picture winner in Oscar, right. the third movie to win best picture. <laughs>
that film has already won. It, it's been a while. It's been almost 100 years. But yeah, <laughs> that title is a Best Picture winner in our past. I think if there had been a bit more time that uh, we would see Berger and Director for sure. I, I, I think that, uh, and, and if he were in it, I, I heard someone on, on Gold Derby talking the other day, I'm not quite sure who it was, that if he had gotten in, he would be winning now. And I'm not sure if I would hop on that as easy, but I do think mm -hmm. it's sort of like the Coda thing from last year. Like if there had been a little bit more time, we would have seen a lot more besides the three it got. Because um, the swell happened, it was such a weird time, you know? Um, so maybe there's more support than we're thinking just because the nominations might not reflect how people are feeling right now. I mean, again, they got nine nominations, correct? So, I mean, it, it did well, but uh, I mean, like you said, it would be insane if it won. Um, uh, just a shout out to the uh, speech that uh, the Everything Everywhere crew gave at uh, SAG. Well, I thought it was really sweet that they had the principal, each the principal actors each said something and then they brought James Hong in to close the thing. That was so so inspired and i just love that james hong was just like he's he's like like he was doing his own like little stand-up bit up there you know <laughs> and he's 94 and he, he just said like he's 94 and he's perfectly happy to just stand up there and say i'm not going until i drop dead <laughs> yeah that's one of my favorite things about best cast and motion picture at sag every year usually the person to give the speech is the member of the cast who hasn't really been nominated it's not winning stuff like, like, I remember when Sandra Oh for Sideways was kind of the spokesperson for that movie there because she was the one member of that cast who wasn't getting nominated. I like it when SAG does that, when they bring forward someone who's not getting nominated for things, but we all love that person and they get their moment to shine for that movie. My personal favorite moment of that that they ever did was it was a, it was a year where they actually um, weren't uh, uh, where they were actually ending early. And it was the Birdman year when Birdman won. And um, and so, the, like, the, basically, like, the, no one was closing the show. So basically, every cast member got up and spoke. And my personal favorite was that was the year that Julianne Moore won. So in her speech, just a couple of minutes prior, she said, when I was on As the World Turns, I never thought that this would happen to me. Zach Galifianakis gets up there and he goes, when I was a young actress on As the World Turns. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! And, oh boy! Uh, also, uh, can we? Uh, uh, I know, I know she's probably. Uh, I know she's probably not listening, but uh, maybe her stylist is. For the love of God, Michelle Yeoh, do not wear anything that will rub up against the microphone God. at the Oscars. That was a bad idea. I don't know who it suggested that. Like, it looked like that new alternative they have for package stuffing. You know, it's like the little zigzaggy papers yeah. that they have instead of like packing peanuts. You know what I'm talking about? It reminds me. It okay. So I'm really going to show my age here. It reminded me there was this snack that was very popular in the late '80s, early '90s called picnics, um, and there were these little like shoot these little tiny slivers of potato. They looked like little miniature French fries, and it looked like somebody had just attached a bunch of picnics to her chest. But it, it, it seemed like that was a fries too, like that, like that sort of. It it seemed like that was a that was a that was a trend because Quinta Brunson's dress looked like a clam like just on the front like she was like like the front of her dress was doing like clams on the half shell bet midler's old routine so boy i'm really showing my age moving on yeah uh so yeah uh that was uh uh did we have any other uh favorite uh before we uh close outside do we have any oh other? sally field oh, sally, sally field uh that was 
that was such a beautiful tribute. Yeah, I did think it was interesting that it's like the person to give the tribute is Andrew Garfield, who she co-starred with in uh, <laughs> in Spider Man. I was like, you think they could have brought out like you know Julia Roberts from Steel Magnolias or like Danny Glover from Places and like something like like I love Andrew Garfield, but I'm like this she is a legend. Like let's get like a really big name to come out here and give her the prize. But it was a great yeah, it was a great tribute. I love Sally Field. Her career speaks for itself, and she gave a great speech. Uh, uh, we were talking uh, in our in our chat uh, on our Slack chat. We were talking about uh, some of our favorite Sally Field moments. I always have a soft spot soft spot for her performance in Mrs. Doubtfire, and I love that they uh, chose the, uh, the the whole the time clip, the whole the clip of her that's now big that's now like a big on TikTok. You know, the whole time, the whole time, the whole time. <laughs> But, you know, she's good. She's just been good at, like, so many things. You know, I loved her in... Uh, I loved that they gave a nice size clip to Hello, My Name is Doris. Mm, great um, movie. Yes. Which was, like, I was, which was, like, one of the most offbeat things, but also, like, one of the best things she's ever done. Um, I, I, I thought that was just so uh, wonderful. And also, I love that they put in a clip of uh, Brothers and Sisters, which... I love that such, show so much. It was such a great the, the the thing that made that show work was the chemistry of the cast, and she was so integral to that. Uh, she was always so great in that, and so I was just uh, over the and so this was just a, a wonderful tribute and a magnificent speech from her. Mm -hmm. I'm glad they picked that Lincoln clip. Um, I always say that like she was my pick that year. I know that's controversial with Hathaway, but I really no, it's not not for me. Well, that means we're going to close our book on SAG and we are going to talk about the Film Independent Spirit Awards, which are coming up on uh, Saturday, March 4th. Uh, this is the uh, awards that are put on by uh, the organization Film Independent, and uh, they've been going on for, oh, dear goodness, I think uh, uh, almost 40 years, and they've been around for such a long time, and I am curious as to... Um, you know, the Spirit Awards have always been this, you know, kind of very fun thing. They used to be the night before the the night before the Oscars. They would set up this tent, I think, on Santa Monica Beach. It is, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, and uh, it it you just have it had the, it's always had this really loose atmosphere, like the Globes. Only instead of only instead only in addition to liquor, it feels like everyone's passing around a joint, and um i just i i absolutely love these awards and uh the before we get to talking about our nominations i'm curious as to what are some of uh your all favorites moment favorite moments uh and favorite wins uh from the spirit awards past well the first one that comes to mind uh and this is a film that i stumped so hard for when it was out that it other people, um, when Molly Shannon, I'm sorry, but that was Shannon, mine, yeah. That, that's that, all Shannon four won. of us, all four of us had that in <laughs> our was like, ah, yeah. Well, well, if we're, if we're, I'll save the spiel on Molly Shannon if we're all going to talk about her, but I was so excited when she won, she should have been nominated at the Oscars. But, um, also, uh, I mean, they get it right, in my opinion, they get it right a lot. Um, I mean, I love Summon Rex winning last year. Um, there's so many things. I mean, the Laura Dern tribute, you know, the song, Laura Dern, like who doesn't remember that? And she won the first year. I mean, she was nominated the first two years of um, The Spirit. So I just, 
yeah, I, I just, I love when Timothy Chalamet won. I mean, there's so many, I could go on and on and on and on. Yeah, Other People was one of my top five favorite films of 2016. I was so Mine happy too. to see Molly Shannon win Best Supporting Actress there. It still kind of befuddles me that she was not nominated at Golden Globes or, or at the Oscars. Any notice from any Nothing. And then she wins at the Independent Spirit Awards. That was awesome. I loved Adam Sandler's performance in Uncut Gems. So that was a great moment when he won at Independent Spirit Awards. That, that speech is, is iconic. <laughs> it's so great. And then I was looking yesterday at some of the like some of the older wins. Like Steve Buscemi has won two, one for Reservoir Dogs and for Ghost World. Those are really awesome wins. I love Dennis Quaid in Far From Heaven. Far From Heaven did really well at oh, the O3 okay. ceremony. And he won for that. People, talk about two people who should have been in that Oscar lineup. And a lot of us thought, and they were a lot, a lot of people thought that they were uh, pretty safe, especially Dennis Quaid. I think a lot of people thought yeah. he was safe to get into that lineup. And mm -hmm. when he missed, it was so shocking. Although, and, and the Buscemi one, it, like he was getting in in places, but it mm -hmm. kind of is under, it, it, it makes sense in retrospect, but it was still, um, it was still a blow. Yeah. And also a huge oversight, I think, is Paul Giamatti not being nominated for Sideways at the Oscars. Oh. And he won at Independent Spirit Awards. So that was awesome, too. I love that win. And then uh, Ruth Nega winning for Passing. She should have been in there <laughs> at the Oscars. I still think that was an oversight. And Ali Sheedy's speech for High Art is fantastic. Go find it on YouTube. I love that win, too. I'm going to go really old school and um, go back to 2000. I think it was 2010 uh, when Dale Dickey uh, won for Winter's Bone. I am such a huge Dale Dickey fan. Um, and <laughs> there was a film she was in this year. Oh, my God. The fact that she's not nominated for that film. Oh, my God. She's um, nominated the Spirit Awards. She is nominated at the Spirit Awards. Um, but uh, Dale Dickey for Winter's Bone, that was such a great, uh, perfect encapsulation of what I think is so great about the Spirit Awards. The, the the films that maybe don't get the notice and the performers that do such great work time and time and time and time again. And um, um, I also love uh, Ian McKellen winning for Gods and Monsters there. Um, you know, it's saying back in the 90s, like, you know, here I am, an openly gay man, holding this award, saying thank you and good evening. I mean, come on. Um, again, showing my age. You know, I um, there are so many wins that I love in the past. I think, you know, that this is a group that gave Ellen Burstyn a win for Requiem for a Dream, which I consider to be the performance of that decade. Uh, they also, that, that, and that same year, they gave Best Supporting Actress to Zhang Ziyi, for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is such an awesome win that they gave to her. And also that year they gave uh, my my favorite my favorite movie that year, Dance with the Dark, won the international prize. Um, but then the first time I actually remember really following the watch, the first time I ever watched the Spirit Awards was 2001. And um, that was because the movie L.I.E. had the most nominations there. And L.I.E. is this very little independent movie. Of course, it's an independent movie. Um uh, with Brian Cox, who basically plays pedophile in this movie, um, and uh, and the lead was a very very young Paul Franklin Dano mm -hmm. in his first screen role, and he won the Spirit Award for Breakthrough Performance. 
Um, and he's uh, and him and he goes toe to toe with Brian Cox in that movie. It's it, it's amazing. But the big winner was actually my favorite film of that year. Memento won four, including Best Feature. Uh, and uh, one of my favorite wins also Carrie Ann Moss winning Best Supporting Actress for that. That's such a great win. Um, you know, uh, like you were saying, I, I loved uh, Bill Murray winning for Lost in Translation. Uh, he had a great line in his speech where he said, I didn't know what I should wear because for some of you, this is the least dressed up you will be all year. And for the other half of you, this is the most dressed up you will be all year. Um, uh, you know, and, and again, you know, we always, it always comes back to Molly Shannon, uh, Molly Shannon winning. That was so, I remember just like, cause I was so nervous because, um, Lily Gladstone had actually been getting into some of these critics awards, uh, for her performance and what's it called? I think, uh, other women, uh, was that the Kelly Reichardt movie? Yes. Yeah. It was other. Yeah. And so I was very nervous that she might pull it off. And when Molly Shannon won, I was so ecstatic. I'm guessing from uh, from the uh, from how you all talked about it, you know, like me, you were like me. Other people left you in tears at the mm. end of that movie, and it all hinged on Molly Shannon's incredible performance. And uh, uh, and she gave this wonderful speech. It was energetic. It was moving. It was, and then at the end of that speech she says i right now i feel like a superstar, superstar. she did the whole thing and i was just like this is the greatest thing i've ever seen yeah. i also i also love that they have uh the robert altman award uh here which recognizes an ensemble and i will say thank god for that award because i think the thing that helped molly shannon with that was because the rule stipulates for the Robert Altman Award that if a film wins the Robert Altman Award, none of the cast can be nominated in the individual categories. And because of that, Naomi Harris was not in that was not in that category for Moonlight because Moonlight won the won the Altman Award. Um, but you know, you look at some of these best feature winners going back. You know, you get some really you get some wins that are like okay, they were these were like the the Oscar movies, and it makes sense. You know, like Moonlight and Get Out. Uh, made sense but then you also get wins like um uh, uh like the farewell in 2019 mm. taking best feature uh and also uh Zha Zhuzhen winning best supporting actress which was oh god I, so and that was like that was that was the first inkling that should have been the first inkling to us about because she wasn't able to be at the ceremony that year because of I don't know if she was in Wuhan, but she was coming from China. And so the tra travel from China had been closed off at that point. So she wasn't able to come to the ceremony. Um, but, uh, you know, you get you get things like that. You also get sometimes, you know, you get sometimes a bit more fun with the hosts of that. For years uh, in the late 90s and the early 2000s, you had John Waters was the regular host. And God, that was perfect. That, you know, him doing that was just uh, perfection because it was just the right mood for everything there. Um, and I think, but you've also had great hosts, you know, uh, as well. I think that, you know, Abu Plaza knocked it out of the park the last uh, couple of years. Um, but also, I think the ones that probably were my favorite were uh, Nick Kroll and John Mulaney hosting in uh, in 17 and 18 
just some of their one-liners were just absolute perfection. I, I, I could still go back and watch those monologues and that I still drop dead from laughter watching, um, uh, John Mulaney had this great line uh, in the second time they hosted about Francis McDormand uh, saying, saying, uh, uh, what was it that he said? He said, uh, I feel like he said, I feel you. He said, you are no bullshit. I feel like a fun way to commit suicide would be to cut in front of her in line and then turn to her and say, hey, lady, relax. (laughs) That's always been one of my favorites. And um I, 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 uh, if you ever get a chance, go back and watch those two. Those, 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 that's just 20 minutes of comedy perfection that they brought, that they brought to that ceremony. And I absolutely loved it. So I've got, I've got nothing to add except for the fact that, um, the, the spirit awards will always hold a place in my heart because their first best actress winner was the greatest, um, as F. Marie Abraham said, the greatest actress in the English language, and that is Geraldine Page Geraldine in the trip Page, to Bountiful. Yes. And um, they also gave that's a they you know they would gave they're the one group that gave you know Isabella Rossellini a win for Blue Velvet, uh, which uh, one of my favorite jokes that John Waters ever had was at the O one ceremony, the first one I ever watched because Mulholland Drive only had one nomination there it was for cinematography, which it won. Uh, and uh, he said, "Welcome to the Spirit Awards. The the cerem- the 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 group for whom Mulholland Drive is too commercial for them." <laughs> well, speaking of that, let's go into some of our let's go into our predictions here. Um, we're not going to do the TV uh, and just full disclosure here. I am a Spirit Awards voter. Anyone can be a Spirit Awards voter if you pay uh, if you pay to be a member of Film Independent. So, you know, do it. Don't do it. That's your choice. Uh, they do have television categories now. We're not going to be going into those categories for our predictions. Those are not in our predictions, and we're going to be sticking with the film uh, uh, categories. So our first one we're going to be going with is Best Cinematography. Our nominees are Tar, Marina, After Sun, Pearl, and Neptune Frost. Let's start with you. Tony, what do you have winning that one? I think I have Tar, but um, I wouldn't sleep on After Sun in this category. Yeah, I would go with Tar since it has the Oscar nomination. Tar as well. I'm going with that at the Oscars as well. I am picking Tar as well. Uh, It just seems like it seems like a no brainer, and the and the cinematography is stunning in Tar. Yeah, I got to interview the cinematographer for my YouTube channel a couple weeks ago. He is so fantastic, and he does not think he's going to win the Oscar. (laughs) That's what he said. (laughs) I said, "Don't count yourself out, man." Well, um, let's move on to uh, the other uh, real tech award that they have at uh, the Spirit Awards, Best Editing. Uh, you have The Cathedral, After Sun, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Tar. What do you got there? What do you, what do you think, Tony? Um, I'm going Everything Everywhere on this one, although, um, again... After Sun is the one that that keeps me up because part of the reason why that film is so devastating as it is is because of the editing, particularly I say in the last twenty minutes of that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once. It won at BAFTA. That feels like if that could get into this category, I don't know how it loses. Yeah, I also think it's sort of the case of the most editing. Um, it's so in your face in the best way. I mean, if I could pinpoint anything about that movie, not, it's it's one of the it's one of the highlights for me for sure. I've got that. 
yeah and i also have everything everywhere all at once winning this uh uh, but also, you know, you know, uh, shout out, you know, credit to the Spirit Award to the nominating committee for putting Marcel the Shell with shoes on. That's a really inspired choice, I feel, for this. So, you know, good for them on doing that. Uh, best international film. We have Corsage, Joyland. Uh, uh, is it Lenore or Leonor Will Never Die? Return to Soul. And Saint Omer, interestingly, no crossover with the international film at this year's Oscars. Tony, uh, I'm going with Saint Omer in this one. Um, if you have not seen this film, it is a punch in the gut, um, <laughs> and so beautifully and tightly constructed. Um, and I feel like of these five, it's the highest profile of them. And sometimes even at even when you're looking at independent spirit. <laughs> the high profile wins. So that's the one I'm going with. Yeah, I agree about the high profile. I mean, even when it was premiering in Venice, that's the what that's what I heard. I was like, I think you have to go see Santa Mayor. Um uh I think that that was probably the one that's closest to getting in at the Oscars as well. So um I'm sticking with that one. Yeah, same here. That's the one I've read about the most the last few months. And I feel like Corsage maybe could be in second place. I've heard good things about that film, but yeah, Saint Omer. I would I I am going with Saint Omer as well. Um, I would keep my eye out on uh, Joyland though. Joyland mm. feels like something to also keep keep an eye out for. But I do feel like Saint Omer is probably the front runner for this one. Best documentary. Here we have an interesting uh, crossover with the Oscars. We have All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, A House Made of Splinters, Midwives, and Riotsville, USA. I feel like this one's pretty safe for all the beauty and the bloodshed. Um, and it's certainly, I mean, that was one of my favorite documentaries of the year. Um, it's certainly been one of the more high profile. I know a lot of people are predicting it at the Oscars. I'm not. Um, but uh, but I, I think that, that between that and all the breeds, but I think all the beauty and the bloodshed has, uh, has a certain um, rebelling uh against uh particularly when you're you know, when you're an artist rebelling against uh opiate companies um that certainly gets that independent spirit going brian yeah that's the one i feel like has the best chance to win here i mean at the oscars fire of love and navalny both have a pretty good shot of winning there too but i feel like with those not here in this category at independent spirits, I think there's nothing that could beat all the beauty and the bloodshed. Yeah, I agree with all of you guys. Yeah, I'm on that uh, same page too. Um, I, I just have to say, you know, you know, it, it, it's sort of like what you said, Tony. It encapsulates that independent spirit. Uh, you know, it reminds me of one of the jokes that Kroll and Mulaney had. I think it was the second year where they're saying, you know, that's a term that you use to describe, you know. Uh, your your niece's weird avant-garde painting. She's got a real independent spirit about her. So, <laughs> and then what better what better film to apply it to than All the Beauty and the Bloodshed? It's just that's a that's that's a perfect that's a perfect you know lineup for that. And I'm with that too. I think that's going to pretty easily win here. Breakthrough performance. We have five nominees here: uh, Frankie Corio for After Sun. I'm going to very badly pronounce this name, and I apologize in advance. Uh, Gracia uh, Filipovic uh, from Marina. 
I apologize again. Uh, Stephanie Shu for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Lily uh, McInerney. Uh, I always have trouble with those. Is it McInerney? Yes. Okay, for pa- Palm Trees and Power Lines. And Daniel Zogardi for Funny Pages. Uh, I'm going Stephanie Shu. Um, again, Oscar nominee in the category Don't Sleep on Frankie Corio because, again, the only reason why Paul Meskel is, and that is the correct pronunciation of his name, as we all read today, um, um, the only reason why Paul Meskel is so great in that film is he, he has her to play off of. Um, that film doesn't work without her, but I, I'm still going with Stephanie Shue. Yeah, I think Stephanie Shue has this one. That would be a pretty big shock if she didn't win. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's just interesting that that's, I mean, I understand the definition of breakthrough, but uh, I mean, she's been around for a, a minute just with her uh, with her Be More Chill and with all, all of those works. But yeah, I've got to go with Stephanie. I'm really glad they brought this category back. Um, uh, and I am also uh, going with Stephanie Hsu, uh, you know, it's it's hard to argue against uh, one that's nominated for an Oscar. So that brings us to uh, supporting performance. And there are 10 nominees here. This is the first year that the Spirit Awards have decided to go. Uh, they have gone uh, genderless for their performance categories. So we have 10 nominees here in supporting performance. They are SAG Award winner Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. Nina Haas for Tar. Brian Darcy James for The Cathedral, Kihei Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Trevante Rhodes for Bruiser, Theo Rossi for Emily the Criminal, Mark Rylance for Bones and All, Jonathan Tucker, Palm Trees and Power Lines, and Gabrielle Union for The Inspection. Oh boy. Um, So um, two of my favorite performances of last year were Gabrielle Union in The Inspection and uh, Mark Rylance in Bones and All. Um, Gabrielle Union especially, um, I think, took the monstrous mother performance to a new dimension um, without all the histrionics as, say, somebody like Monique in Precious. Um, I think I, it, it was a stunning performance, but I'm I'm going with K.U. Kwan. Go with the Oscar winner. Yeah, I think Kwan would be the safest choice here, but it's tricky when you have 10 names. I mean... I wouldn't necessarily count out like Jamie Lee Curtis or a Brian Tyree Henry who also have the Oscar nominations, but I do feel like Quan takes this one. Yeah. And oh, oh no, go on, go on, Hunter. Um, I agree with Quan. Um, thank you for the Gabrielle Union shout out. I I would have I love her so much. My heart beats for that performance. Also, my heart beats for the inspection. Where did that go? Um, but yeah, it's Quan. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting how this is going to factor in with like with the, with a number, with the numbers game of it all, because if you have enough people that feel, you know, Kiki Kwan is probably going to win this anyhow, because you have such a lower threshold for what it's going to take away. Cause this is not ranked. This is just straight uh, plurality. Mm. You know, if you get enough people moving to one or the other to, to, you know, something or something else, you know, it could alter who wins here. I still think Kiki Kwan is going to win this. I will say uh, personally, I was thinking to my, when I was voting for this, I thought to myself, you know, Kihei Kwan is probably going to win this. And my heart, when I look at these 10 performances, I, I was so blown away 
by Mark Rylance in Bones and All. He, <laughs> it's never dully with Sully. <laughs> it's just like, just it is so incredibly like the the it is it's everything you've heard about why he is this the the why he has the status of being this the the status of being this great actor right now. He's insane in this role, and it's so riveting uh i uh i easily voted for this one and i was so and i was so happy to do so i know he's not gonna win but that was where my heart was but i'll be happy to see kihikwan win this anyhow yeah bones and all is in my top 10 of the year i've i've been really sad to see it just not really show up anywhere the whole award season so at least we have this rylance nomination at independent spirit i love it at least they got that one at least <laughs> At least they got that one. And they and they, they also recognized the movie as a whole in several other places, as we'll see here in our uh, next category, lead performance, which I think has some of the, again, these 10 nominations actually have given us some really inspired uh, nominations. Kate Blanchett for Tar, Dale Dickey for A Love Song, Mia Goth for Pearl, Regina Hall for Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, Paul Mescal for After Sun, Aubrey Plaza for Emily the Criminal, Jeremy Pope for The Inspection, some broad named Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie, don't know what that is, Taylor Russell for Bones and All, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. What a yeah, category what, that is. What a category wow. that is. <laughs> and again, I will shout out uh, my uh, the beloved Jeremy Pope, who just gives one of the great performances of the last year with the inspection. Um, I was lucky enough to interview him. He's delightful. Um, and, um, but I, I'm going Kate Blanchett here. Um, I I don't know why. I just feel like this is the place where they're going to reward Tor. Actually in, in second place, I actually have Paul Meskel in number two. Um, you know, this is always a category, the, the lead performance categories, they, they like to throw some curveballs. I, although again, my beloved Dale Dickey um, in a love song uh, that if you have not seen a love song, my God, treat yourself. Yeah. I'm going to go with Blanchett too here. It feels like, cause there's so many nominees. Like I feel like there'll be enough votes that push Blanchett over the top. Uh, I have Michelle Yeoh. Uh, I was kind of going chalk with the prediction center. Um, is is there a world where Andrew Riceborough makes it in? I mean, makes makes the win. Is, I don't know. Could that happen? Just with with all the buzz, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't be surprised. I guess. I was when the nominations initially came out. I was on the same page as you, Tony. I was thinking that Kate would still take this one out, but I feel like for this ceremony it it feels for me personally it feels foolish not to predict Michelle Yeoh. I'm not saying you're foolish. I'm just talking about me on this one. Uh I'm not being that catty with you at least at least on this at least on this point. Um <laughs> but you know I I you know we we got a real curveball I feel last year in the back when they were they were gendered in uh best actress when Taylor Page won for Zola. Uh, that felt like quite a bit of a curveball. Um, and so, you know, again, you just never know what's going to happen with these. Um, uh, I feel like, you know, if if you really want to talk about, you know, like passion performances that I have seen a lot of passion for, I know a lot of people love Mia Goth's performance in Pearl. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think 
I think that's a curveball that could happen. Especially when you combine that with, you know, the lore of the of the the other movie that she made with that director, uh, X. X. Uh, and how it and how it and how it feeds into Pearl. Uh, and she gives these uh, you know, actually three amazing performances. You know, she gives two in X and then the one here in Pearl. Um, you know, I would that would be like one of the craziest, but like one of the most inspired choices ever, I think. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't even, you know, Emily the Criminal really did well in nominations here. And Aubrey Plaza is now at like this really, really sweet spot in her career where I feel like the really the the at, more now more than ever the world is really her oyster and you know she's just able to do you know almost whatever she wants i also just god i love that regina hall is in here for haunt for jesus save your soul that's such a great performance the movie is really great and she gets i love that she's been getting in at the spirit awards for like these indie comedies like she got in for i believe she got in for save the girls um and uh you know i just she's so great in that movie uh she's so great and taylor russell is also just magnificent but i think the safe bet is to go with michelle yo and that's where i'm going and that is coincidentally that is who i voted for uh uh first screenplay uh our movies are palm trees and power lines fire island uh i'll say the uh jamie jamie dack and audrey uh findlay for palm trees and power lines joel kim booster for fire island K.D. Davila for Emergency, John Patton Ford for Emily the Criminal, and Sarah Delop and Kristen Ropinian, uh, I apologize again about pronunciation, for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I have no idea who to pick there because it's not in our Prediction Center at Gold Derby. Oh, we don't have first screenplay in there? Nope. Okay, then. Well, what do you guys still, what do you guys think? <laughs> I would go with uh, John Patton Ford for Emily the Criminal, right? It's in Best Actress. It got, is it what, First Feature? Yes. Like, it, it, it got a few nominations, as you just said. And I just watched that film a few weeks ago, and I thought it was excellent. I thought that was a great film. So I would give it to Emily the Criminal here. Yeah, I would say Emily the Criminal or maybe Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. That just has had, it's kind of had an enduring passion throughout this whole season. I could see them going with that as well. It also made it into the directing category as well. So that's something to, you know, outside of first feature, it made it into the regular directing category. So that's something to keep in mind there. Yeah, I would actually go with Bodies, 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 a, a, a horror film that actually attempts to be a satire and actually understands what satire is. So many times people try to make satires and have no concept of what it is. They go for some really interesting things in this category. Like they went last year, they went with Pig. Uh, over uh, Mass, which this is that's another thing I forgot to mention in my favorites, you know, Mass winning the Robert Altman Award last year, um, which because that movie was was seriously uh, overlooked at so many ceremonies, especially Martha Plimpton. I've seen I saw that movie twice and both times it was Martha Plimpton's moment that caused me to just sob. Um uh, but and you get but you know they've also with the first feature and first screenplay they've gone with horror movies before i remember the witch one in 2016 over hereditary or, or no wait or i'm i'm blanking on i'm blanking on these years they they're all they're all blending into something for me i apologize for that uh but you have had like the witch win uh best for, best first feature and best first screenplay um i think you're right uh brian that emily the criminal makes sense here i will say though my vote went to fire island 
Uh, I love Great Fire movie. Island. Love Fire Island. I really, I really wish that we could have seen Bo and Yang in the supporting performance category. He's so good in that movie. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. good. The whole ensemble of that film is fantastic. Oh yeah. God, just <laughs> Matt <laughs> Ryan, like... the other guy going, the defense is wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I think I've seen that like a dozen times, literally like 12 times. I love that movie. <laughs> I just, I just, I want it for the line where, uh, when, when, when they go, the fact that you know Alicia Vikander of a Marissa Tomei is what's wrong with this world. And then you had the other guy go, she was really good at Ex Machina. And Matt Rogers just goes, you be quiet. <laughs> mm. I just got tickets to see him. He's doing a cabaret thing at the Kennedy Center. I cannot wait for that. Oh, yes. Uh, best screenplay: Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Lena Dunham for Catherine Called Birdie. Todd Field for Tar. Kogonada for After Yang. And Sarah Polly for Women Talking. Or as uh, going... Mr. Wahlberg calls it, women are women talking. are. Yes. <laughs> women and... be talking. Women be talking. And Mark Wahlberg be um. So um, uh, I'm going women talking on this one. I I I feel like this is this this is the kind of curveball that they'll throw. I don't think they'll give everything everywhere all everything all at once. Um, it's so hard with that movie, Jesus. Um, but yeah, I'm going women talking on this one. Yeah, I'm feeling the same way. I feel like Sarah Polly is kind of an indie darling. She's done so much great work in independent film going back to the 90s as an actress and then now as a writer-director. Like, that feels like a category she could win, whereas Everything Everywhere could win in, like, director and picture. Uh, I don't know. I'm still on the everywhere um, on the Everything Everywhere train. I, uh, I, I think it's undeniable. I, uh, I, I'm sticking with that for this one. Uh, I am uh, sticking, I, I do have uh, everything everywhere winning here, but it's interesting that you talk about women talking because on my ballot, I was looking at my ballot and I saw all the places where I was voting for everything everywhere all at once. And I said to myself, you know, I don't want it to, to win everything. And in this category, I voted for women talking. So you know, it's weird that it's interesting that you brought that you brought that up, Tony and Brian, that you seconded that. Um, that would be such a crazy thing, but I would be so here for it. Oh, yeah. uh, but I still think uh, the smart money would be to predict everything everywhere. But, you know, I, I do feel like if there's one where we could see, excuse me, if that we could see a big upset, it would be here. Uh, best first feature. After Sun, Emily the Criminal. The Inspection, Marina, and Palm Trees and Power Lines. I, is anybody not predicting After Sun for this one? After Sun. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah. After Sun, uh, yeah, but I, I would I say there's a small chance Emily the Criminal could pull this one out. I would uh, I would just keep my eye out for it. Um but uh yeah, I mean, I that's the one I voted for, but I think I do think the smart money is after Sun. I mean, it's just uh, won every single first feature prize that there is. I don't has does anyone remembered anything like this? Uh, I think the last time I remember something being like this unanimous, I think it was like Bo Burnham for eighth grade. Yeah. yeah. 
and that just shows my age. <laughs> um, uh, best director, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Todd Field for Tard, Kogonada for After Yang, Sarah Pauly for Women Talking, and Helena Rain for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, this is the Daniels. This is a easy one. The last two are the easiest, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to see Todd Field win Best Director somewhere. I really wish that could happen this season. I don't think it will, though. I think it goes to the Daniels. Yeah, I agree. Um, again, I'm a Todd Field fan. I'm a big Tar fan. But uh, yeah, it's it's after after DGA, for sure. Uh, Todd Field, um, I, when I watched that first, my first Spirit Awards, won the best first feature prize for In the Bedroom. And another one of my favorite wins, Tom Wilkinson won Best Actor, as well, along with uh, Sissy Spacek. Yeah, I saw that. It did really well that year. I love that movie too. One of my favorites. That's that's such an incredible movie, and I think uh, I love both Tom and uh, uh, Sissy in that movie. But Tom Wilkinson, it, it really just blew me away with that. Uh, just so incredible. Um, but yeah, I think you know if if it feels again feels foolish not to pick the Daniels. So I'll pay, I would go with the Daniels here, and best feature. Bones and All, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Our Father the Devil, Tar, and Women Talking. It's clearly uh, Our Father the Devil. That is... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I Just on title alone, I would go that way. But no, it, it, I mean, this is Everything Everywhere's to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything but Everything Everywhere All at Once would be a shocker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it, it it just makes sense. Just makes sense perfectly that everything, everywhere, all at once would win this. Um, so I think that's what I would go with. Um, anything else we wanted to add about uh, the Spirit Awards this year? At least we'll have something between now and the Oscars. Yay! Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, before we close this out, uh, I want to talk about we the other big ceremony we have coming up next week is the Writers Guild. Uh, of America. Uh, this one is a group that has a lot more stringent regular uh, uh, qualifications in terms of what qualifies to compete. Uh, it's uh, like very famously because of uh, the way that Quentin Tarantino writes his scripts. He is never up here, but for some reason he's up at the DGA. He meets the qualifications for the Directors Guild. I don't understand it. It's it's all it's all union stuff. Uh, so which uh, apparently matters a lot to some of these people. Um, So uh, we're just going to concentrate on the uh, two big categories, even though we have more up in our prediction center. Uh, So we're going to talk about, uh, first, let's go with uh, original screenplay. Uh, We have Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner for The Fablemans, Seth Reese and Will Tracy for The Menu, Jordan Peele for Nope and Todd Field for Tar. Um, I, mean, I have everything everywhere, but I mean, I love the menu, and I know a lot of people didn't like the menu. I know you guys like the menu, but uh, I can't see it winning. But uh, everything everywhere, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absent banshees, everything everywhere is winning here. Yeah, I love that nomination for the menu. It's a great movie, but yeah, I think everything everywhere wins here. God, I recently rewatched the menu and. 
I am so in love with everything about that movie. The script, Ray Fiennes' performance. I I think Nicholas Holt's performance is so good in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my personal favorite thing that Ray Fiennes is when we find out why John Leguizamo's character is there. <laughs> He's like, it was my one day off and your movie ruined it. <laughs> and Hong Chow, too. Hong Chow is really terrific in that movie. Hong Very Chow's funny. Hong Chow's line of, these are tortillas. (laughs) Right when I saw that in the theater, I was like, that's the iconic line from (laughs) So great. I think her performance in the menu might have helped her get the nomination for The Whale. Like, I think it helped. It's one of those things things where I wish, you know, as as much as, you know, it makes sense for the Oscars that they... uh, that they uh, just single out the one specific performance. But I wish, sometimes I do wish that you could just like have them listed for if they had multiple works. And God, I would I would love it if she were nominated for, for her performances in both The Whale and The Menu, because combined those are just, it's just insane. Um, we have seen, you know, some, some real wild cards when, it, especially in recent years, like last year, Don't Look Up winning this original screenplay prize threw us all for a loop because we were trying to decide whether it was going to be between Kenneth Branagh and Paul Thomas Anderson. And we were, we were, we were, so many of us were uh, uh, setting, were, were like, we're betting everything on, okay, WGA is going to tell us everything. And then it goes to don't look up. And then we're just like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing now. I never think that WJ is going to WGA is going to tell us anything because there's so many there's so many things that get left out. Yeah, that yeah, are part of the conversation. So it's and almost not even a fair comparison. And sometimes you just get like not even I wouldn't call it a bizarre winner, but like I think of the year like it felt like uh uh the 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 Black Klansman year that that Spike Lee just felt like the right winner for that. But then at W, the, I kind of got worried about it because WGA he loses uh to uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me, uh which as much as I love Black Klansman, I also really loved Can You Ever Forgive Me? So, um, you know, that was one that, you know, got me a little worried. So, you know, WGA, it feels like they can throw, they can, they, they can throw curveballs, but everything everywhere all at once seems like it's probably the safe bet here. So I would still go with that. I, so I echo you guys. Um, uh, adapted screenplay, uh, Ryan Coogler and Joe Robert Cole for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Ryan Johnson for Glass Onion, Rebecca Linkowitz for She Said, uh, Aaron Kruger, Eric Warren Singer, Christopher McQuarrie, Peter Craig, and Justin Marks for Top Gun Maverick, and Sarah Polly for Women Talking. Again, Sarah Polly, Women Talking. I don't even think it's a, I don't even think it's close. Yeah, there's nobody who can beat Sarah Polly in this category. I can't even imagine one of those other four films winning. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just hate that Women Talking has has the uh the hand that it's been dealt this year. I, there was one time I had it getting in everywhere. There was one time we were talking about maybe having two supporting actress nominees. I just I'm so sad about what happened, but it's for sure winning this, winning this right here. At one point, I had Sarah Polly winning director. Me too. Yeah. I did too. Because I was so I was so like because uh, I was not a huge fan of Away from Her. And so when I went to see this movie, R.I.P. Gordon Pinsett. Uh, oh, I thought I, even though I wasn't crazy about it, wait for her, I thought Gordon Pinsett was incredible in that movie. Um, and I, 
And so I was very, uh, you know, a little guarded, not apprehensive, but guarded when I went into the movie. And then seeing it, I was completely blown away by it. I feel like it is the smart thing, and I'm probably going to keep her at my number one slot. But for some reason, it feels like because of the hand that it's been dealt this season, the passion that we've seen has not been there for women. It has not has it has at most been the bare minimum for women talking. And I feel like we might see something. Uh, re- we might see something else, and I feel like anything else would kind of be out of the blue. But if it, and I'm curious for you guys, if it weren't women talking, what do you think would be the winner here? Top Gun Maverick, I guess. Like, I don't, I can't see Black Panther winning screenplay, Glass Onion. She's set. She's I could set, see Glass Onion. Really shown up. I Glass could see Onion Glass winning. Onion. Hmm. I could see it. I don't, the thing that's, that, that, that keeps me away from Top Gun is the fact that it has, you know, four, what is that, four or five, five, five names. writers? You know, and, and, you know, writers are peculiar bunch, you know, they don't necessarily respond to films that are written by committee. Well, let's not forget two years ago that happened when Borat's subsequent movie film won this category. So, I mean, that's, that's something there. (laughs) Yeah. I think glass onion over top gun for sure, just because of the attention it received. And I mean, everyone loves him yeah i just i could see that happening but i I mean i can't see it if there were an alternative and i'm i'm kind of with you on that i think that if it were i i think i would it would either be glass onion or top gun maverick and i would probably give the uh uh give the edge to glass onion there because it is that sort of like you know the the idea of even though it is it's the characters is is what makes it adapted the story is all original, though, and the way that he constructs that story, unless you're Ben Shapiro and don't understand how mystery movies are supposed to work, um, is really, really uh, it, uh, beautifully written. And uh, just the way that he combines also the mystery beats with the comedic beats uh, for that movie, uh, which to me is such a bal- uh, such a high wire act to do. I feel like he does that incredibly. But yeah, I'm going I'm predicting women talking on this one. So that's uh, that's been our therapy session of trying to unload everything that's been happening. Uh, we thank you for joining us on our on our second episode here. Tony, where can the fine folks in our peanut gallery follow you? Oh, the fine folks in the peanut gallery who probably know more than I do and are yelling at me right now um, can find me on Twitter at uh, at Tony Ruiz GD. Um, Tony Ruiz, goddamn, that's what they're saying to me right now. So. What about you, Brian? Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Brian Rowe. That's M-R Brian Rowe. You can also check out my YouTube channel for all things Oscars, Brian Rowe Video. And I have a podcast called Film at 50, where we talk about films released 50 years ago. And Hunter, what about you? I'm on Instagram and Twitter at uh, Hunter underscore K Taylor. And you can follow me at on Twitter at Charles Bright, and you can read all of our writings at goldderby.com. Please remember to go to goldderby.com. Always update your predictions on the website and on the app. We got a lot more interviews that are going to be posted before Oscar voting. And we have the Gold Derby Movie Awards coming up this week on March 1st. We have uh, acceptance speeches from all 22 winners uh, it's going to be really fantastic. They've uh, put together a wonderful show, and we can't wait for you to see 
who you guys voted as the winners for this. Thanks, everyone, and we will see you next week. For all things Hollywood competition and award season, head to GoldDerby.com and follow us on social media at GoldDerby.